you would please open your Bibles to Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 21. This is God's Word. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read... From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Jesus has repeatedly told his disciples that he's going to be crucified in Jerusalem. And they just won't hear of it. That's not what they want to believe, and so it's not what they believe. Even though it is what God had said. Now, as Jesus approaches the city, the crowds turn it into a glorious celebration. Happy as can be that Jesus is coming. They have no clue what they're doing. And yet they are doing exactly what was prophesied. Jesus, as they get close to the city, tells two of his disciples, you go in and here's what you're going to find. 
And when you go to take the animal, here's what's going to happen. Someone's going to say to you, what are you doing? And you just tell them the Lord needs it. And they'll let you go. And that's exactly what happened. What Jesus said came to pass exactly as as Jesus had said it would. How did Jesus know what was going to happen? He said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. So as Jesus is going to do this, he's obeying his Father. And all of this was ordained beforehand, as was his crucifixion. Jesus would say after his resurrection, you are so slow to believe what the prophets have spoken. It's not as if this was being just made up as they went along. After the fact, they would see. And Matthew is very keen in his gospel on showing us in situation after situation after situation how this fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures. So he says here in verse 4, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, if you're going to war and you're the king, you want the best steed in the kingdom. You want an impressive, imposing animal that's going to be able to bravely and swiftly carry you even in the midst of turmoil. The idea of riding in on a colt that is the foal of a donkey is just as humble as you could be, but it was a message and understood as a message, I come in peace. I'm not here to make war against you. I'm not here so that we can fight. I'm coming in peace. That was understood by the Jewish people. It was certainly understood by Jesus. And Jesus, knowing that he's about to be killed by these people, rides into Jerusalem on a colt that had never been ridden. He rides in on this little animal. And if we had looked at that with our cultural perspective, we would have said, that looks kind of ridiculous. I mean, what's, what's he doing? A man? Jesus wasn't about two feet tall. Jesus was a full-grown man, and he's riding into town on a colt of a donkey. A horse's colt is small. A donkey's colt is really small. And Jesus is riding in like that. Why? Because that's exactly what God had said was going to happen. And this was one more way of signaling that he is the promised Messiah. He is the king that God sent who would come in peace and who would be rejected by his people. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt. And so now they start taking off their outer garments and putting them on the animals and putting them on the road. And Jesus sits on the garments and rides in. 
and the crowd goes before him and they're cutting palm branches off and they're putting them in the road, they're making a carpet. When people are hoping to be award winners in Hollywood and they go to the Academy Awards, there's a red carpet that is rolled out and it is, it is for that occasion when you are at the Emmys or you are at the Country Music Awards, they talk about the red carpet because there literally is a special carpet rolled out for people to walk on. And this was making a carpet out of palm branches and clothing in order to say, this is no ordinary person, this is no ordinary occasion. And Jesus was being greeted as the rescuer, Hosanna, to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Well, when he gets to Jerusalem, the crowd that was following was people who knew about the miracles he'd done, including raising Lazarus from the dead. I mean, he had quite a crowd with him. And the people in the city, a bunch of them didn't know because Jesus didn't live in Jerusalem. Jesus visited Jerusalem on several occasions. But a lot of people there were like, who is this? And the crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Well, that's kind of true. I mean, did Jesus speak prophetically? Yes, but if you think Jesus is just a prophet, you don't know Jesus. He's not a prophet. He's the Messiah. He is the anointed one, promised, awaited eagerly from generation to generation. In fact, ever since in the garden, God had said that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. He is the promised one. Well, upon entering the temple area, Jesus gets to work driving out the merchants who in the court of the Gentiles have set up all kinds of booths and they're just looking to make money. Was it legal under Jewish law for them to be down in that area and doing that kind of thing? Yeah, it was. But they hadn't turned it into a way to make it easier for people to worship. It was all about profit for them. They were looking for ways to rip people off because folks came from out of town and you want to worship, you want to offer a sacrifice, which was required if you were coming to worship, you had to bring something. You can't bring it with you from a long distance. And so the Old Testament made provision that you could buy it when you got to the city. Well, they're there selling sacrifices, not necessarily animals without blemish, but hey, I got to choose from what is available. And Jesus looked at it and saw it for what it was. It was just a corrupt business with a whole bunch of corrupt business people. They were not there promoting worship. They were there promoting themselves, trying to get more money out of the situation. Sadly, that is often what organized religion deteriorates into. A lot of people who see it simply as an opportunity to make a living. Every now and then, some secular media will do a, 
a report about how heartbreaking it is that we've got pastors who no longer believe in God or no longer believe in the scriptures, and yet they can't be honest with their congregation because they'd lose their job. Doesn't that just pain you for them? Isn't it a shame that they can't just be honest? They can be honest. And they will lose their job if that congregation has any sense. But instead, you've got people pretending. And they're going to answer to God. There are folks in the religion business who are sincerely deluded and they have believed a lie. But there are a lot of folks in the religion business who know that what they're saying isn't true. Or, among those who still say what is true, they don't believe it. All of them are headed for destruction. God has warned that those who speak on his behalf will be judged more strictly. Not many of us should be teachers, James says. Because we're going to give an account. And when a person preaches falsehood, as many do, when people try and say, oh, you know, you, you don't have to take this that seriously. You know, this is a wonderful book. It has a lot of wonderful things in it. But, you know, you, you can't just go by what the Bible says. I mean, the Bible, the Bible isn't even consistent. Were there two animals here in Matthew's gospel and then one animal in the other gospels? I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's just stories passed down. No, this is God's word. This is God's word. Jesus went into the temple area and he overturned the tables of the money changers. That was like the local branch of the bank. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. The doves were sold for families like his when he was brought to the temple to be dedicated, his family, Joseph and Mary, could not afford a better animal. So they were, under Mosaic law, allowed to offer just a dove. So these were people who were selling to the poor and looking for opportunity to rip them off. Jesus said it is written, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So was Jesus saying that there must be no kind of financial transaction in the context of religious work? No. Jesus was saying, you're a bunch of crooks. You're ripping people off. You've taken... This place, which is supposed to be dedicated to God for worship, people should be coming here and praying, and you come here day after day after day just looking for a way to enrich yourself financially. And so Jesus didn't say, 
you should not be doing that. Jesus started flipping over furniture. Well, what gives him the right to do that? It's his father's house. You understand? If my wife and I came back from vacation and somebody had turned our house up on the mountain into a little casino, okay? And so they've got roulette wheels and blackjack tables and you know they've moved our living room furniture over to the side and they've got this thing set up as a place for people to come and gamble and they've got the kitchen's been turned into a liquor bar and uh, maybe the den is a hookah lounge and uh, I mean they're making money, okay? I wouldn't say, oh, 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 this is really a shame. I've got a shotgun, okay? And I wouldn't say, I really need for you to leave now. I wouldn't start by shooting a person, but I would make it very clear that we're prepared for that if it is necessary. And I would say, get out of this house. And I wouldn't say, guys, you need to collect up your things. No, they don't need to collect up their things. They need to get out of my house. Is that clear? Why? Because it's my house. Jesus had come to his father's house, and there were a bunch of crooked business people who were ripping folks off in the name of God, and it made him angry. And that kind of anger, folks, is very appropriate. If you hate evil, God bless you, because God hates it too. So Jesus is flipping furniture and chasing folks out with a whip. So I guess he was really in a bad mood. No, he wasn't in a bad mood. He was dealing with a problem the way it needed to be dealt with. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he said, not now. I'm mad. Is that what happened? No, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. He healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Now, isn't it interesting when they saw all the money changers doing their stuff and those selling doves and other animals doing their stuff, that didn't upset the chief priests because they were in on it. But when Jesus is being praised in messianic terms, they are upset. They are indignant. And they said, do you hear what these children are saying? See, Jesus is not rebuking the children saying, oh, don't say that, I'm not, I'm not the Messiah. Don't, don't talk that way. Okay, I'm just a nice man who heals people. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked Jesus. And Jesus responds as he did over and over and over to the religious people. 
Yes. Have you not read? Have you never read? Don't you read God's word? Don't you know what God says? Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? Let me just ask you a question. As things are happening, do you look at those things in the light of what you already know God said? Because God is still speaking through his word. And if you know his word, as things take place, it's like a light bulb. It's like, oh, that's what God said. Did Jesus say anything about there being wars and rumors of wars and not to be alarmed by that? you got a whole bunch of people right now in the world very concerned about what's going on over in Europe. And they should be concerned because what's happening is a hideous evil. But some people are concerned that it could lead to nuclear war and other people are saying, no, it couldn't. And I'm saying... There will be wars and rumors of wars, and we should not be surprised by this. You know, Pastor Wood, you don't think there could possibly be a nuclear war, do you? Yeah, I do. But it it could lead to just mass annihilation. Yeah, yeah. So do do you think it's possible that humanity will be annihilated through nuclear war? No, I don't. And the reason is because there's some other stuff that the Bible says has to happen. But one of the things I do read about in the Bible is that in the end, when certain things are happening, they're riding on horses, which is not the way it would normally be for warfare today. But it would make a lot of sense if the power grid had been destroyed and the computers were no longer working as they once did, and there was a smaller number of people on the planet. So is that what you think is going to happen? No, what I think is that God has already said what's going to happen, and I don't know how all the details are going to work out, but I am one guy who is not worried. I'm not worried at all. I was seven years old when the Cuban Missile Crisis took place. We were living in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the report came on the television showing that with these Russian missiles that were being placed down in Cuba, they would be able to hit the southeast, and it showed where all they could hit, and it included Charlotte, North Carolina, where I was a seven-year-old kid. And I knew geography well enough, and I was interested in current events enough that I was paying attention to that. And I said, Dad, what would we do if the report came that missiles had been launched and they were headed this way. And he said, well, son, if we were about to die, I would say, let's worship the Lord. We'll have a word of prayer together and we're fine. He said, if you're not ready to die, you need to get ready. But if you are ready to die, and you just keep on doing what you've been doing. Worship the Lord. I hope I never forget that. Because you see, what he was saying is, you don't have to panic. 
You and I may not have 20 minutes. Understand? Oh, Pastor, what you're trying to make me scared. No, I'm trying to teach you not to be scared. I want you to live fearlessly. I want you to understand that if you are in Christ, you're fine. You're fine. You don't have to be afraid. If you're not in Christ, then you need to get right with God. You need to surrender your life to Him. But if you are trusting in Him, Jesus knew these people are going to kill me. And yes, I'll heal you. And yes, I'll heal you. And yes, I'll heal you. Because he was doing the Father's will. He knew what was coming, and he still loved people. Well, (laughs) he sure did chase those people out of the temple. Yeah. He chased the crooks out of the temple. And that was a kindness because he didn't let evil continue unabated. Oh, they're still going to come back and they're going to kill him, aren't they? Yes. But Jesus came to die. He came in order to offer his life as a sacrifice for us. Verse 17, And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. I want you to get the time frame. Jesus has just been honored as he came into Jerusalem. The people have celebrated his arrival. God is fulfilling prophecy one after another, after another, after another. Even those children who were saying Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They didn't do that because they'd read in the scriptures that's what they were supposed to do. The scriptures simply told what they were going to do, and they did it just as God had ordained. And yet, within the week, Jesus is going to die on the cross. The things we're going to study in the coming chapters, one thing after another, Jesus taught this, Jesus said this, Jesus did this, this happened, this happened, this happened. All the things that we're going to look at over a period of weeks happened in less than a week. Jesus knew what was going to happen and when it was going to happen. And he still calmly and bravely devoted himself to doing the Father's will. If you are just devoted to doing the will of God, You don't have to be uptight and pressured and what's going on and how am I going to handle this? All you've got to do is obey God. Well, pastor, that's, that's hard sometimes. Oh, really? I've never thought it was hard. I'm being sarcastic. Of course it's hard sometimes. But if you don't recognize that that stress and pressure is not to control your life, you're going to be controlled by stress and pressure. But if you realize, okay, 
I belong to Jesus. All I have to do is trust him and do what he tells me. That really gives clarity to your priorities. I woke up this morning with this, an old chorus going over and over in my head. The Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Let me tell you something. We're the sheep. He's the shepherd. He doesn't say, okay, well, uh, I'm going to give you a GPS and then uh, you take it from there. He just says, follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. You do that, you're going to be fine. Well, Pastor Rudd, I wish you hadn't mentioned the thing about Europe. Uh, What do you think about that? I think it's dreadful. I think it's dreadful what's happening on the other side of that huge continent of Eurasia where brothers and sisters in Christ in Burma are being hideously persecuted and wiped out by a government that is absolutely evil. So are you more concerned about that than you are about Ukraine? No. Are you more concerned about Ukraine than you are about that? No. Are you concerned? Yes. What do you do? Well, I pray. Because God hadn't told me to go to Ukraine right now, and God hasn't told me to go to Burma. And I think if I showed up in Ukraine, (laughs) whether it was just with my Bible or with uh, my best guns, I would be of very little use right now because it would give those folks one more person they've got to try and get over into Poland. <laughs> they would say, You're, you know, we appreciate your love, but please get out of here because we don't want to have to protect you. I'm not going to Burma because I don't speak the language and they don't speak my language. But I'm supporting some people who are working with the Burmese right now. Is there nothing we can do besides pray? No, we can pray and give as the Lord directs to those who are trustworthy and helping our brothers and sisters in Christ. But let me tell you something. This is exactly what's been going on generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. And it's going to continue until Jesus comes. In fact, it's going to intensify. There's going to be more and more of this kind of stuff. And that doesn't make me depressed. It just makes me eager to see Jesus. I look forward to the day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because folks, the first time he rode into town on the colt, the foal of a donkey. The Bible tells us when he comes again, he's coming on a war horse. When he comes again, he's not coming to die. He's coming to judge. And people better get ready. Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus to save us. And thank you that because of what Jesus did on the cross, 
a way has been opened up for all who believe, for all who trust in him. And we thank you that you are the God who gives faith. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. And so we come to you right now in Jesus' name asking that you would work your grace in us and grant us truly repentant faith that we would trust you and obey. Help us to rest in your promises, to feed upon your word, and to believe what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. Why do we have-